eternal, righteous, and invisible Father in heaven. We thank you, Lord, for giving us life in spite of our iniquities and our sins and our shortcomings. We thank you, Lord, for the good things that you give to us and they are evidences of your love towards us. And we are grateful, Lord. We pray, Father, that we shall not be ungrateful people to you, but that we shall reciprocate the love which you have shown to us by being faithful and loyal to you. But we realize our weakness and we know that of our own selves we can do nothing. Therefore, we plead with you as you grant to us power. Your word has said that as many as received Christ to them, you gave power to become the sons of God. And I pray, Lord, that as we go through your words today and as we receive it into our hearts, that power shall be given to us. Grant us all of your spirit and grant me the consecration, Lord, that will put your words in my mouth to speak blessings to your children. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, October 16 From Doubt to Faith Then said Jesus unto him, Except ye see signs and wonders, ye will not believe. John chapter 4 verse 48 Like a flash of light, the Saviour's words to the noble man laid bare his heart. He saw that his motives in seeking Jesus were selfish. His vacillating faith appeared to him in its true character. In deep distress, he realized that his doubt might cost the life of his son. He knew that he was in the presence of one who could read the thoughts and to whom all things were possible. In an agony of supplication, he cried, Sir, come down ere my child die. His faith took hold upon Christ as did Jacob when wrestling with the angel. He cried, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. Genesis chapter 32 verse 26 like Jacob, he prevailed. The Savior cannot withdraw from the soul that clings to him, pleading its great need. Go thy way, he said, thy son liveth. The noble man left the Savior's presence with a peace and joy he had never known before. Not only did he believe that his son would be restored, but he trusted in Christ as the Redeemer. Like the afflicted father, we are often led to ask Jesus by the desire for some earthly good, and upon the granting of our request, we rest our confidence in his love. The Savior longs to give us a greater blessing than we ask, and he delays the answer to our request that he may show us the evil of our own hearts and our deep need of his grace. He desires us to renounce the selfishness that leads us to seek him. Confessing our helplessness and bitter need, we are to trust ourselves wholly to his love. The noble man wanted to see the fulfillment of his prayer before he should believe, but he had to accept the word of Jesus that his request was heard and the blessing granted. This lesson we also have to learn. The day is just before us when Satan will 
present numerous miracles to confirm the faith of all those who are seeking this kind of evidence. How terrible will be the situation of those who close their eyes to the light of truth and ask for miracles to establish them in deception. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is From Doubt to Faith. We are going to be looking at the character of a person who doubts Jesus and wants to see the manifestation of miracles before he can believe. That's what this noble man represents. I would like to reiterate that as we are going through the different characters in this devotion, the purpose of it is to realize the right response and the wrong response to the truth. This noble man had the privilege of hearing the truth that Jesus had been preaching. He had the privilege of even seeing Jesus perform miracles in the life of many people. But out of selfishness, he had refused to believe in Jesus and desired that Jesus should perform a personal miracle for him before he could believe. The account goes this way in the book of John chapter 4 verse 46 to 49. It says, So Jesus came again into Cana of Galilee, where he made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then said Jesus unto him, Except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The nobleman said unto him, Sir, come down ere my child die. In this account of Jesus telling the man, Except you see signs, you will not believe, Jesus read his heart and knew that this man cherished doubt. Desire of Ages, page 198, paragraph 1, downward says, but he knew, as Jesus knew also, that the Father had in his own mind made conditions concerning his belief in Jesus. Unless his petition should be granted, he would not receive him as the Messiah. While the officer waited in an agony of suspense, Jesus said, Except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Notwithstanding all the evidence that Jesus was the Christ, and what was the evidence being referred to here? Let me just stop the reading for now. What are the evidences? The truth that he was preaching. What else is the evidence? The fact that he was the son of David. The word of God was there to prove that Jesus was the son of God. Daniel chapter 9 had prophesied that at a certain time there was going to be a Messiah. John the Baptist had pointed people and said, This is the Messiah that I've been talking about. The evidence was there on the day he baptized that they saw that the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus like a dove and they also heard the voice from heaven say this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased if that was not enough the words of Jesus when he was teaching them they themselves confessed that they had never heard this kind of teaching before how about him stopping the sea the waving billows of the sea how about him doing the greater miracles that he had done before among the people healing so many people in the day that john the baptist's disciples came to ask jesus about himself whether he was the messiah enough evidences were there but chiefly 
the evidence of prophecy to prove that Jesus was the Messiah. Yet this man didn't want to believe in Jesus unless Jesus did a personal sign and wonder for himself. Not for any other person, for him. Even though Jesus was doing for other people, unless Jesus does for him, then Jesus is not the Messiah. So I'll continue to read and it says, Notwithstanding all the evidences that Jesus was the Christ, the petitioner had determined to make his belief in him conditional on the granting of his own request. The Savior contrasted this questioning unbelief with the simple faith of the Samaritans who asked for no miracle or sign. I'll pause here. I remember the first time I read this passage. I had just finished reading the book of John chapter 3 which talked about Nicodemus who was a Jew. John chapter 4 talked about the Samaritans. Jesus did not do one miracle. All he did was to tell the woman, I that talketh with you, I am he, I am the Messiah. And they all believed. The Bible says that that day, all the, all the city came to Jesus and he spent more than a day with them. And what was he doing? Healing the sick, raising the dead. Nobody was raised from the dead. Not one miracle was done. And yet, the, 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 the Samaritans believed and they confessed. Now we believe in him because we have heard him. They didn't say because we have seen him do miracles or because he has done some sign for us. They heard his teachings and that was enough for the Samaritans. And they believed in Jesus. But was it enough for Nicodemus? Not yet. Was it enough for this noble man who was a Jew? No, it wasn't. And that's why Jesus gave that mild rebuke. Except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Look at the, the Samaritans. They did not need any sign or wonder. Continuing the reading, it says, His word, the ever-present evidence of his divinity, had a convincing power that reached their hearts. Christ was pained that his own people, to whom the sacred oracles had been committed, should fail to hear the voice of God speaking to them in his Son. Yet the nobleman had a degree of faith, for he had come to ask what seemed to him the most precious of all blessings. Jesus had a, great, a greater gift to bestow. He desired not only to heal the child, but to make the officer and his household share us in the blessings of salvation, and to kindle a light in Capernaum, which was so soon to be the field of his own labors. But the noble man must realize his need before he will desire the grace of Christ. This courtier represented many of his nation. They were interested in Jesus from selfish motives. They hoped to receive some special benefits through his power, and they staked their faith on the granting of this temporal favor. But they were ignorant as to their spiritual disease and saw not their need of divine grace. Like a flash of light, the Savior's words to the nobleman laid bare his heart. He saw that his motives in seeking Jesus were selfish. His vacillating faith appeared to him in its true character. In deep distress, he realized that his doubt might cost the life of his son. He knew that he was in the presence of one who could read the thoughts and to whom all things were possible. In an agony of supplication, he cried, Sir, come down ere my son die. His faith took hold upon Christ as did Jacob when wrestling with the angel, he cried, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. Genesis 32 verse 26 Like Jacob, he prevailed. The Savior cannot withdraw from the soul that clings to him, pleading its great need. Go thy way, he said, thy son liveth. End of quote. Reading now, 
John chapter 4 verse 50 down to 54 it says Jesus said unto him go thy way thy son liveth and the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him and he went his way and as he was now going down his servant met him and told him saying thy son liveth then inquired he of them the hour when he began to amend and they said unto him yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him and so the father knew that it was at the same hour in the which Jesus said unto him, Thy son liveth, and himself believed, and his whole house. Amen. The Bible tells us that it was the same hour that Jesus spoke the word that the boy began to get healed. And this brought about rejoicing in the house of the man not only did he believe in jesus just as the healer of diseases but as the messiah so what lessons can we learn from this story we have already talked a bit about the issue of believing only when we see signs and wonders we'll get into that but firstly we need to talk about our motives what is our motive for coming to jesus like this noble man many there are who come to jesus actuated by selfish motives in Desire of Ages, page 200, paragraph 3, we are told, He who blessed the nobleman at Capernaum is just as desirous of blessing us. But like the afflicted father, we are often led to seek Jesus by the desire for some earthly good. And upon the granting of our requests, we rest our confidence in his love. The Savior longs to give us a greater blessing than we ask, and he delays the answer to our request, that he may show us the evil of our own hearts and our deep need of his grace. He desires us to renounce the selfishness that leads us to seek him. Confessing our helplessness and bitter need, we are to trust ourselves wholly to his love." End of quote. So do we trust God's love? We just read now that we are to trust ourselves wholly to his love. What does it mean to trust God's love? It means that we are so resigned to his will that we do not urge our peculiar request upon him in a way to make it look like if he does not give us what we want, then it shows that he is not powerful or he does not love us. This noble man had enough evidences around him of the love and power of Jesus, but had placed his own criteria for believing in Jesus on a selfish request for himself. Like this man, many of us have been witnesses of the love and power of God as revealed in the life of those around us. But yet, we still mistrust God and say unless he does something special for us too, we will not believe. But if we trust God's love, we will resign knowing that whatever it is he has withheld from us is in our best interest and that which he permits for us is done in love, be it sickness, poverty, pain or death. If we come to Jesus actuated by selfish motives, Jesus sees that we have an impure heart and in love he may withhold his blessings until we are changed. Whenever we find ourselves in need, we find ourselves coming close to the throne of God with our needs and sometimes it is selfish. But let us not make the receiving of our request the condition for believing in Jesus because he will not be held ransom to prove himself to us. Whether we believe or choose not to believe, he has done enough to prove himself to us. And those who make the receiving of their selfish request a condition for believing in Jesus may find themselves sadly disappointed. 
if we have evidences of Jesus' power, yet we choose not to believe and expect a sign or a wonder to be done specially for us before we believe, we may very well be disappointed. But we can have God manifest his power for us if we come believing and not placing him on a condition. We are to come to him in faith, nothing wavering, ready to receive whatever he sees fit to give us. So what was the result of the encounter between this man and Jesus? The noble man longed to know more of Christ. As he afterward heard his teaching, he and all his household became disciples. Their affliction was sanctified to the conversion of the entire family. Tidings of the miracles spread and in Capernaum, where so many of his mighty works were performed, the way was prepared for Christ's personal ministry. End of quote. That's Desire of Ages, page 200, paragraph 2. The Bible says in the book of Romans 2 verse 4, or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? What is this passage saying to us? Has the Lord not done enough good things for us to believe in him? Why then do we say, oh Lord, unless you give me a job, I will not do this for you? Some of us even place him on condition. You know, this whole thing of making vows Lord, if you do this for me, I will do that for you. What about the things he has already done? Why do you need him to do something again for you that is your own selfish desire? And then you say, Lord, when you do this for me, I will do this for you. The Lord already deserves you, everything you own and everything you are. And you are not to make conditions for the Lord for you to do the thing that you are supposed to do. And somebody may be asking, Lord, but you said we can do this. Uh, How about Hannah? Hannah made a promise. But remember, Hannah said, that she was going to take care of her child for the Lord. In other words, if you give it to me, I'm going to give it back to you. I will do what you want me to do because the Lord expects already that we should train our children in the way the Lord wants them to be trained for himself. And Hannah was simply saying, I will do my duty. If you give me a child, I will do my duty. Not necessarily making it look like if you do this, I'll pay you for doing this for me. Except you see signs and wonders. That was what Jesus said to that man. And he's saying the same thing to us today. Some of us want some something selfish for the, from the Lord. Perhaps you want to get a visa to travel to the US. And many people want to do that. Some people want a job. Some want a husband. Some want a wife. Some want children. Some want to graduate from school. Some want admission into school. Some want their children to get married. Others want their children to graduate and they are praying, praying, Lord, do this for me. If you know you are God, do this and that for me. Some are sick and they want to be healed and they are questioning the Lord and saying, if you are God, almost like challenging him, if you are God, show yourself in signs and wonders. Do you want signs and wonders? Somebody else can show it to you and that is Satan. The Bible tells us In the book of Matthew 24, Jesus himself said that we should be careful that there are going to be false prophets who are going to do many signs and wonders and they will deceive the very elect. We are also told in the book of Revelation 13 that there is going to be a power that will even command fire to come down from heaven and he will use it to deceive. And also in the book of Revelation 17, we are told that there will be lots of signs and wonders done by the devil and that these signs and wonders will be used to deceive the very elect. 
So I'll take it Revelation 16, reading from verse 13, it says, And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophets. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. And like I was saying also in the book of Matthew chapter 24, Jesus said concerning these false prophets in the book of Matthew 24, reading from verse 24 there, he said, For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before except you see signs and wonders do you make signs and wonders the criteria for believing the person that is in christ or not do you make signs and wonders the evidence to show that god is in a place you will be deceived listen carefully jesus has said it himself this is not any other person speaking jesus himself said be careful when you are thinking about signs and wonders even in the book of deuteronomy chapter 13 it says from verse 1 if there arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams and and give it thee a sign or a wonder and the sign of the wonder come to pass whereof he spake unto thee saying let us go after other gods which thou hast not known and let us serve them thou shalt not hearken unto the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams for the lord your god proveth you to know whether you love the lord your god with all your heart and with all your soul you shall walk after the lord your god and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice and you shall serve him and cleave unto him what does this tell us the lord is telling us that above signs and wonders are his commandments instead of following people who are doing signs and wonders the the lord said fear the lord and keep his commandments that is the evidence that someone is of god do you want to know a prophet of the lord did john the baptist do any sign or wonder yet jesus called him the greatest of the prophets how about jeremiah did he do any sign or wonder no he didn't how about the other prophets like amos hosea malachi zephaniah zechariah did they do any sign or wonder yet these men are the ones that are called the prophets of the lord do you want signs or wonders to show you who is of god you are opening yourself to deception the evidence that one is of God is nothing more than the truth. And that is what was supposed to convince this noble man. We read in Conflict and Courage, page 295, paragraph 6, The days just before us when Satan will present numerous miracles to confirm the faith of all those who are seeking this kind of evidence. How terrible will be the situation of those who close their eyes to the light of truth and ask for miracles to establish them in deception. End of quote. Oh, how terrible indeed. And it is going to be very terrible. The Lord is teaching us today to have faith in his word as opposed to having faith in signs and wonders and to trust his love. And I want to talk about this trusting God's love. What does it mean to trust God's love? It simply means that we believe that the Lord loves us and that whatever he chooses to happen to us, you may be sick. Do not say, Oh Lord, you must heal me. If he says that you are going to die of that sickness, trust him that he is doing that in love, that that decision is what is best for you. He may deny you certain things. Don't say, Lord, unless you give me this, then 
I will not uh, serve you or I will go somewhere else because you refuse to answer me. Stay with the Lord. It is his word that is the evidence that he is the truth. Stay with the Lord. Now, the other lesson we need to learn is this. We need to learn how to have faith. After the Lord has answered our prayers, we need to know how to use that as a means to have faith in the Lord. Let it be a means for us to speak of his goodness and call others to believe in him. Too many times, we make the goodness of God towards us to be a curse instead of a blessing. God sometimes permits us to go through distress in order that we may be drawn closer to him as it was for this man. As they had their prayers answered, they were drawn closer to Jesus and allowed the goodness of God to make them missionaries leading others to Jesus. This is what we should do. We like this man have been recipients of great blessings from God. Some of us have had our lives or our loved ones delivered from near-death experiences. God has seen it fit to bless us financially and with good health too. Let us use these blessings as springs to cause us to give our total loyalty and fidelity to Jesus. You don't need to tell Jesus, give me a visa first and then I'll say, oh, the Lord has been so good to me, I'll serve him. He has already done enough. But then even when we make these requests, sometimes he still answers us. When will we finally say, oh, Lord, your goodness has led me to repentance because of this thing you have done. I know you have been good, but now my heart is melted. I will do all I can to show people about this good God who has been so good to me and I will speak of his testimonies everywhere I go. We need to learn to allow the goodness of God lead us to be missionaries for him and to lead us not just to be missionaries but to repentance. That after the Lord has done good things for us, we need to ask ourselves, what have I done to the Lord? What shall I render unto him? The Lord is not interested in your fat offerings. He has showed thee, O man, what is good. But what does the Lord desire of thee than to deal justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with the Lord? The Lord doesn't delight in fatted lambs and offerings. What he wants is your heart committed to him, living in holiness and righteousness when you know he has been good to you. All those your thanksgiving offerings, he doesn't, that's not what he's looking for. Do you want to be grateful to God for all he has done for you? Then live a life in harmony with his will. Live a life of glory to him. Whatsoever thing you do, do all to the glory of the Lord. Deny yourself your own desires just because the Lord has said do this. Even if you don't want to, because you love him, because of what he has done for you, you have to say, Lord, I will serve you. Another lesson we learn from this man's story is the lessons on faith, which we will look at in subsequent devotions because every time Jesus encounters people and heal them or grant them their request, now, do, does a miracle for them there's always a lesson on faith to learn this man had to learn to trust in God's word reading from Desire of Ages page 200 paragraph 4 it says the nobleman wanted to see the fulfillment of his prayer before he should believe but he had to accept the word of, the, of Jesus that his request was heard and the blessing granted this lesson we also have to learn not because we see or feel that God hears us are we to believe. We are to trust in his promises. When we come to him in faith, every petition enters the heart of God. When we have asked for his blessing, we should believe that we receive it and thank him that we have received it. Then we are to go about our duties, assured that the blessing will be realized when we need it most. 
When we have learned to do this, we shall know that our prayers are answered. God will do for us exceedingly abundantly according to the riches of his glory and the working of his mighty power. Ephesians 3 verse 20 and uh, 16 and chapter 1 verse 19. End of quote. You see, this is a very important lesson for us to learn. God wants all his children to trust in his word and in its power to give life. What if it were you? Would you believe? The man believed that as Jesus had spoken, he was to depend and rely on what Jesus said and would have his son healed and it was so. We need to learn to exercise this kind of faith in God's word and be patient with the Lord. When the Lord has told us he's going to do something for us and he has given us a promise, when we have fulfilled the condition and we ask, believe that whatever you have asked for, you have received. When you need that promise, it will be given to you. But the trust in his word is what the Lord wants to teach us, not trusting in signs and wonders. Psalms chapter 138 verse 2 says, I will worship towards thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Did you get that? The Lord says that he has magnified his word above all his name. Why? Because his word is powerful. Isaiah chapter 33 verse 6 and 9 says, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. That was Psalms chapter 36 verse 6 and 9. Now Isaiah 55 verse 10 and 11 says, For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seeds to the sower, and bread to the eater. So shall my word be, that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void. But it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. We will look more on this in tomorrow's devotion, talking about the word of God. But suffice to say today that we need to learn to trust God's word above any other thing. In Psalms 29, reading from verse 1, we are told about the power of the voice of God. When he speaks, we are to have faith in his spoken word, which has been written down for us, which is the word of God, the Bible. Exercise faith in it. It says, a psalm of David, Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thundereth. The Lord is upon many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaketh the cedars. Yea, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. He maketh them also to skip like a calf, Lebanon and Syrian, like a young unicorn. The voice of the Lord divideth the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness. The Lord shaketh the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord maketh the hinds to calf, and discovereth the forests, and in his temple doth everyone speak of his glory. The Lord seated upon the flood, yea, the Lord seated king forever. The Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Amen. 
there is power in God's word and we are to lean on it and pray according to the promises he has given in his word. Present his words to him and having fulfilled the conditions, pray and believe your prayers are answered. Then you can go like that noble man. He didn't see any sign or wonder. All Jesus said to him was, go thy way. Your son is healed. He had to believe without seeing. He had to have faith and he went home believing that the word that Jesus spoke has healed his son. The word is the evidence itself. We need no outward evidence to confirm for us that our prayers are answered. It is our duty to believe after we have asked and rejoice that our prayers are answered. Let us have faith in the word of God because on it hangs our eternal destiny. Let us pray. Dear loving Father in heaven, we thank you for giving us this lesson on faith. Lord, help us not to put our faith on signs and wonders, but to trust in your word and your word alone. Many of us don't know what this means and have not understood what it means to trust in the word of God and not to signs and wonders. Forgive us for our selfish requests, Lord, and help us, Lord, to trust your love and to trust your wisdom that whatever you choose for us will be best for us. Have we given conditions of believing in you? Even now or in the past, please, Lord, have mercy on us and change that heart that is placing these selfish conditions and help us, Lord, to trust you and believe in you. Thank you, Lord, for hearing and answering our prayers. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen.